Welcome to the Red Rain Podcast. Here is your host from Revenge of the Birds, Walter Mitchell. Hey, thank you, Kyle Little Rock Ledbetter. Welcome back, Cardinal fans. The first week after this Cardinal season um, is now in the books. What a fantastic weekend of playoff games. Very exciting to see the underdogs perform so well. Unbelievable to see uh, the, the Eagles fall out the way the Cardinals did in 2021. Very similar. Um, although, uh, you know, the Eagles were coming off of a Super Bowl run the year before, which I think that that's what makes what Bill Belichick and, and Tom Brady and the Patriots did um, – you know, uh, all those years contending year and year after year. I mean, especially now that there's a 17-game schedule instead of 16, you know, for teams to try to repeat to get back to the Super Bowl makes it all the more difficult. I mean, the Eagles have played so many games in two years. There's that factor. There's a physical factor and mental factor of the grind that's going to, you know – be an issue and an obstacle for teams. Uh, we'll see how Kansas City fares this week um, because they've been in a similar situation. Um, but they coming off a great game and a great win. And that frigid freezer, um, mustache freezing game <laughs> in uh, Kansas City. And it'll be more cold again this week in Buffalo, I believe. So, um, and one other heads up before we get to Kyle. Um, and uh, his offseason plan for the Cardinals, which I'm so ex- you know so excited to hear what he's he's kind of come up with for us. Um, and I put him up to the challenge. So, but one other thought is that I just posted uh, an article on Revenge of the Birds about um, whether the Cardinals um, can get a kind of Todd Bowles type infusion of uh of defensive help um this off season and uh, i have a coach in mind who could be like an ideal candidate to bring in as a senior defensive advisor um which this guy did in dallas um and helped bring um the dallas defense back um from the mike nolan days into the dan quinn days so if you want to check that out, I think you might find it interesting. And there's a poll at the end. I'd be curious to know what you think, whether Gannon and Rouse are fine on their own or whether bringing in a defensive advisor would really help, especially seeing now, as Gannon said, that they're going to start over from scratch in all phases, um, whatever that means. Um, I'm not sure starting from scratch from an offense that with Kyler – was top 10 in, in yards per game um, during his eight-game eight stretch. So, uh, you know, I imagine that there'll be some tweaks and some additions talent-wise, which I'm sure uh, Kyle will mention in a minute. But um, but on the defensive end, it, it I think that they need a little bit of help and um, some diversity and a little more creativity um, you know, they're young coaches and 
promising coaches, but there are <clears throat> improvement areas that they need to work on that could be aided and embedded by having a, a veteran um, advisor in there um, to help them out. So hope you can check that out. Now, today's podcast is focused on Little Rock's off-season plan for the Cardinals. And, um, you know, he's got it broken down into five, five areas, which he's going to going to talk about and uh, which I thought it was commendable of him to do. And, and I, I already previewed that yesterday on my article yesterday, um, setting this up for today. Um, so, uh, Kyle, let's have it. What do you have for the Cardinals? What's, what's under your, uh, you know, in your, in your Christmas stocking for the Cardinals this off season? Well, uh, I think it was a good, what was it, five or six weeks ago that uh, when we were talking about uh, Jonathan Gannon and the direction of the franchise between Kyler Murray or another quarterback, you know, back when that was still uh, up in the air, uh, when right. Kyler was, I think, I think it was right after the sec, I think it was right after the Falcons win that we were talking about it. And uh, you you challenged me to to jump off the fence and really put together a, a concrete plan for the Arizona Cardinals, and so I took a, I took a few hours yesterday to dive into dollar values and contract restructures and draft picks and all sorts of stuff to to come together with a a concrete plan, or I guess you could say two concrete plans, because uh, a lot of the off season is going to be contingent on one move that uh. We'll we'll get into a little bit later Ooh. and kind of oh that that's it that's a tease Walter that's a professional yeah, that tease great. oh man I'm all ears <laughs> yeah so there's one player that the the off season will revolve around and if that doesn't come into fruition we might have to adapt and adjust but I I think we have a fun plan here and uh, you mentioned I broke it down into five different categories here. First one I have is coaching staff and uh you know coaching adjustments. Uh, the second one is pre-agency, which is the, the, the period between like February and March 15th, I think for agencies, March 15th this year, uh, that period right. where they got to kind of address their own players and resign right. some people and all sorts of stuff like that. Maybe even a franchise tag, although, you know, we'll get into that in a little bit, uh, free agency, part one, free agency, part two, and then the NFL draft. That's the uh, the five yeah. categories that I went into and free agency. Part one is is when we'll get into the specific idea I have for the Cardinals this offseason. All right. So. Does that all Look, sound good for for you? Really good. And so at the end of each phase, I'll uh, I'll give you my feedback. I w- very much appreciate that. And uh if you guys are listening, Revenge of the Bird, Walter's going to put an article up about it. I will be in the comment section responding to uh, any and all questions, thoughts, comments, and concerns you guys have. And then uh, at the end, time permitting, I'll kind of give a rough outline of what the 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 roster will look like next year. Uh, it's not going to be a full 52, but it'll be kind of a rough sketch of what the roster will look like next year. Excellent. All right, let's get it rocking and rolling. So first up, we have coaching staff adjustments. This will probably be the the quickest segment that we do of the five, which 
you know, funny enough, I didn't even know that you were going to be doing a story talking about bringing in help as a senior defensive assistant or just another voice uh, into the the uh, the Cardinals defensive locker room or the defensive right. game plan. I didn't even know that you'd be writing that article today because uh, I just had two quick notes, basically. And the first one was just be open to the possibility of bringing in a coach from the outside who has defensive play calling experience. It's not necessarily to say that Nick Rallis has done a, a poor job or shouldn't be the defensive play caller, but just be open to bringing in someone who has defensive play calling experience. And you brought up George Edwards, which is someone I didn't even consider when thinking about that possibility. But I think that's a, a really good idea. If you're talking about someone with defensive play calling experience, uh, you know, maybe wait and see what happens with Joe Barry in Green Bay. Um, Mike Caldwell right. with the Jaguars. They he got fired at the end of the season. Maybe that's a a role for him is right. as a a, de- a senior defensive assistant. Uh, Sean Desai with the Eagles. I know he never worked with Jonathan Gannon, but obviously there's a a Sirianni to Gannon connection there. If Sean Desai is going to be leaving the Eagles this off season, just be open to the possibility of some sort of senior defensive analyst position with the Cardinals. Right. Uh, right. You know, head coach, we're yeah. fine. Offensive side of the ball, we're fine. All of that stuff is about the same. Okay. Yeah, I th- thought George Edwards would be perfect because uh, he was the D.C. in Minnesota while Gannon was there, and that was during Zimmer's best years, um, two double-digit win seasons. Um, Edwards uh, one year had that with with Zimmer's help uh, had that Vikings had a top five defense at eighteen points per game. Um, you know he's got a lot of experience. I went back and looked through every one of his seasons in the NFL twenty six to see the coaches that he's um, worked for and with, and it, it's a who's who starting with you know um, Dave Campo of the the Cowboys um, and, and Nick Saban well you know Saban was a head coach uh, Edwards was on his staff I mean and then you had um, Dom Capers he worked with um, then you had Marvin Lewis he had a year or two with Marvin Lewis I mean it's just an amazing list of of people. And now he has, uh, you know, and he was on staffs with Todd Bowles where he was the linebackers coach and Todd Bowles was the defensive backs coach. Now they're together in Tampa Bay. And if you watch that Tampa, Tampa Bay defense uh, Monday night, woo, um, were they getting after it? That's the kind of creativity and aggressiveness that I'd love to see the Cardinals employ. And I think Todd Bowles, even though he was only in, Arizona for two years is the best defensive coordinator I've ever seen on the Cardinals sideline. Um, just in terms of his creativity, in terms of the pressure he put on offenses and just amazing halftime adjustments that he made um, repeatedly in games that just made you go, Oh my goodness, this is fantastic. So um that would make a lot of sense. Uh, there, I like several of the names you brought up, but 
yeah, it doesn't hurt. And it will all come down to whether Michael Bigwell would approve of adding salary to uh, the coaching staff. Um, and if Gannon would, would be eager and willing to make the call. And um, he said he's starting from scratch. It'd be kind of nice to have someone in there, an extra um, veteran set of eyes and, and uh, you know, hands to get right after this. So I like the idea. Good let's job. let's hold on to George Edwards for when we get to uh, part four, our free agency part two as well, because there's okay. an interesting connection there that uh, might work out pretty nicely. Um, and then right. second note I had for coaching staff, it's a little bit silly. And ironically, we just mentioned his name. Uh, Marvin Lewis is 65 years old. Uh, since he left the Bengals, he's essentially retired to Arizona. He does some consulting work with uh, Arizona State. Uh, during the pandemic season, he worked as a co-defensive coordinator. But every year, they should just give Marvin Lewis a call and see if he wants to come back to coaching. He yeah. seems pretty content to to kind of just be out there retiring. And he lives 30 miles away out in Tempe. So just call him, see if he wants a key card, see if he'll come in. Just call him and see if he's ready to come out of retirement. That's a great idea. And, you know, by someone like that would be amazing. And the other thing is, just to add in quickly, um, as disgruntled as, as I've been about the Cardinals' lack of preparation for NFC West offenses, um, something I've been studying for years, um, the best I saw taking on Shanahan and McVay was uh, Brian Flores in 21. Um, beat both of those teams. Uh, I think it was Flores that basically – started the trend of, of Jared Goff falling out of favor in, um, in LA. <clears throat> um, I watched that entire game. Um, and man, did he put the clamps on, on the off tackle, but everything, the def defensive discipline to stay in your lanes for cutbacks. Um, it was just awesome. And so, Staff-wise, what I'm wondering, you know, and I asked this in the article, is are the you know, quality control, defensive quality control um, personnel and the advanced scouts doing an efficient job? Because I, I didn't see it in those games, and we lost those games by a ton. Um, and what was really troubling was, no improvement second time around after, you know, having it yourself on tape. Um, just in the basic ways you try to attack the bread and butter plays. Um, so I would, I think they need to figure that part of it out too, is whether they have maybe need to make some upgrades in, in on those, in those particular areas. I like that idea. I didn't do deeper research to figure that out. And I like the the idea of the scouting department upgrade for the Cardinals. Uh, the two the two options I had is is ironically open yourself up to a senior defensive analyst position like you wrote about and then just offer Marvin Lewis a key card. That's essentially what it is. <laughs> just give him a call every year. They should give him a call and just be like, hey, do you want a key card? Do you want to come in and coach some defense? Just offer it to him every year. He's he's it seems like he's content retiring. He's been through now multiple coaching staffs as an advisor over there at Arizona State. So just offer Marvin Lewis a key card. 
Yeah, I don't know how familiar Jonathan Gannon is with Marvin Lewis. Um, it, it strikes me that Jonathan Gannon is kind of like a um, is more comfortable with people he he already knows and has relationships with, like Mike Zimmer, uh, um, George Edwards, uh, Matt Eberflus, um, etc. So, but I mean, I don't think any defensive coach on the planet should be averse to you know doing x's and o's with marvin lewis i mean and remember that uh marvin uh mike zimmer his uh you know one of gannon's earliest mentors was the defensive coordinator under marvin lewis's Bengals for a bunch of years that is correct they are tied that's that's where George Edwards comes in too, is they are very much tied to Marvin Lewis. Just, yeah. So just offer Marvin Lewis a key card. Maybe he commutes two times a week and works from home the rest of the time. Just offer him a key card. See if he wants to yeah, come in. We won't let any players park in his parking spot. <laughs> I love it. Just, I, it's kind of been a running joke for a couple of years. The annual call Marvin Lewis and see if he wants to come back and coach. But he's he's made his money. He's he seems content to retire out in Arizona. He seems uh, he seems like he's doing well over there. So that's the coaching staff adjustments. Second on the list is our pre agency period for the Arizona right. Cardinals. So. This is where we got to make some roster decisions, create cap space, convert some some salaries, <laughs> convert some some salaries to signing bonuses, all that good stuff. Right. Uh, all right. So first off is the players that we're looking at releasing before the free agency period on March 15th. Right. So I have three players here who I am going to release for the Cardinals, uh, and then their dollar values associated. So number one is Zach Paschal. Uh, by releasing right. Zach Paschal, the Cardinals will save $1.9 million against the cap. Uh, there's right. a there's a small dead cap hit there, but they will save money by releasing Zach Paschal. Uh, second one is Kaiser White at $4 million, which once I got to the, the free agency part two portion, I, I was a little less sold on the waving of Kaiser White. Like when I... When I did this first, that felt like it was more, you know, in line. There isn't really a, a dramatic upgrade at the linebacker position I could find, um, especially for the dollar value we're talking about there. But for right. now, I'll say wave Kaiser White. We can readdress that later. Um, the Cardinals would save about $4 million with that move. And then the third one would be DJ Humphreys. Right. Now, DJ Humphreys will carry a 13 so essentially he his salary cap number for next year is about 28 million dollars oh yeah yeah and his dead cap if they were to waive him or trade him which it's most likely going to be a wave because of his injury um right. they would save 13.8 million dollars uh, sorry they would take on a 13.8 million dollar dead cap hit so they would save just under 16 million dollars by waving DJ Humphreys. And what I'm going to do here is um, you you have the option to take the dead cap hit all at once, or you can spread right. it out over two years. Right. I'm going to choose to designate it as a post-June 1st release so that they can yeah. spread out the dead cap hit over two years. So instead of a $13.8 million cap hit in right. 2024, it will be... 6.9 million 
2024 and 6.9 million in 2025. So altogether that saves them about 20 something million dollars against the cap. Right. So those are the three players that would release at that point. We would be sitting with $65 million to work with, um, which if they kept all of their draft picks as they are right now, that would be about $47 million in cap space to work with after making those three releases because they have $65 million to work with. But remember, draft picks go against the cap. So it would, you know, if they kept all their picks where they are now, that's another $18 million. So we'll call it $65 million to work with after releasing Zach Pascal, Kaiser White, and DJ Humphreys. Right. Yeah. Um, I think Pascal and Humphreys are you pick two guys that I think that that you need to make the moves on there. I mean Zach Pascal didn't contribute as a wide receiver at all. Um, except maybe blocking downfield. And he was solid on special teams, but you don't pay special teamers two, two million, um, you know, unless he's your absolute stud special teamer. Um, they've got plenty of special team guys who are just as good. So, I think that was really well done on your part. The DJ Humphreys is an unfortunate situation with his ACL um, or MCL, whatever he tore. Um, and but this has been coming. I mean, this was a decision that was going to need to be made. It was kicked down the the road to this year anyway and i think that was where this was always going to be it was they were going to release him um or try to trade him at this point trade is out so and you you handle the the number figures perfectly with kaiser white it's a little trickier because he's gannon's boy um and from philly and kaiser white uh he had some really good games um but then he had some real clunkers, particularly against the NFC West, where he had the lowest PFF grade on the on the entire defense. Um, so it was feast or famine with him. He ended up with a 58 PFF grade, which is a little below average. My contention all along has been he doesn't have the stature physically to play Mike. Um, he's better suited to play weak inside linebacker if he's inside at all. Um, and he he did well in that role under Gannon in, in Philly, but he also had TJ Edwards next to him who was, who was you know, up and comer at Mike. Um, so, you know, can you justify sliding white over to weak inside linebacker and keeping him on that salary? And I, but my fear is that Gannon's just going to keep him at Mike, and no matter what. And um, you know, for me, that weakened two positions. It weakened your weak inside linebacker because Josh Woods was never the right fit there, and he started for eleven games. Owen Popo came in and actually played really well. I thought, considering he was a rookie and it was late in the season. Um, Chris Barnes played pretty well at Mike when he and at, at week inside when he was given the chance. I think he's a guy we'll talk about later. But um, yeah, it's a really interesting move. Wouldn't be uh, popular with the fans um, because they 
you know, they like Kaiser a lot, and he was a, um, appointed a captain by Gannon. So, um, but to create four mil, I get it. Um, yeah, and and like I said, I, the Kaiser one felt good in the moment, and then I was as I was going along, I was like, yeah. you know, is this person really an upgrade over Kaiser? You know, they they already have right. him in the door. It's the connection right. to Gannon. Um, right. But I just, I stuck with it for the time being, just right. You know, maybe well, maybe it's a it's a a situation where they release him and sign him for a lesser dollar value if he does yeah. really want to stay with Gannon right. or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I. It's gonna. That one's gonna be a tough call, but uh, mm-hmm. but I like I like your thinking there because uh, you know the, the nagging thing on that one is you know it's hard to evaluate a player if he's playing the wrong position. Which it's it funny doesn't... that you just said that because I I had a note below the three players that released, which is we're leaving Zaven Collins there for now. We're we don't want him to play edge cuz you you've been on that all season that it's not the ideal position for him. We're we're going to decline the fifth year option but we're not going to outright cut him or or trade him now. We're just going right. to leave Zaven Collins there for now. All right. So you're moving him back to Mike? Yes. For the time oh. being. For the time being. See, I I love that, but I don't think it's going to happen from what I yeah. heard. Just, but I love that. I mean, I think he's being squandered. Um, we'll we'll just yeah, we'll leave it there for now because I I I don't know where he fits. Whether it's a weak uh, inside linebacker or on the edge or the middle linebacker, that's kind of for them to figure out as they they go through roster construction. But for the time being, I'm not. I, we'll decline the fifth year option on Zavin, but we'll just leave right. him in the linebacking group for now. Exactly. So. That was the other note I had on the release players because Zaven is very much a candidate to not just have the fifth year option decline, but to be outright released at the end of this season. That right. is right. very much in play given his fourth year on a first on a first round contract value and and the lack of production he had this last season. But I'm not ready to move off of first round talent that easily. Well, from what I've heard and and is that they like Saban's run stopping ability. He had the highest PFF grade on the entire defense doing that. I mean, and and overall too. Um, but he wasn't um, getting pressure, quarterback pressures. But you got other guys who can do that, and Ojolari and and Redick, um, and they're going to add somebody this offseason. So in that role, but it's it's kind of a limited role, right? So I mean, mm-hmm. they, where he was coming in and off uh, off the field. In my mind, Zayvon Collins is a th- every down linebacker in the NFL, and um, I and I think he's being wasted um, in the current role in which he's playing. But uh, so they, what comes as a question to me is, would they now try to trade him um, to a team who would, who would be more willing to play? Um, Collins inside where I think he belongs. And I think I imagine some other teams do too. It's very so much a possibility. Be, right. I, I don't know whether that be even considered, but I wouldn't put, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they put his name out there. Um, yes. I absolutely understand that. I'm going to leave him on the team for the time being just another note good. there. And then, uh, We'll come back around and see maybe at the end once we have a a full roster built out. Um, So 
we were working on $65 million, not necessarily in cap space, but in dollars to work with, with those moves. Um, So the next one is converting some base salaries to signing bonuses. And the biggest one with that, the biggest one, and they did this intentionally with his contract is Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray carries a $51.8 million cap hit for this upcoming season. If Bidwell is willing to pay a lump sum of money up front, they can convert $29.5 million of Kyler Murray's salary, uh, of his his salary cap hit into base salary. They would save $29.5 million against the cap if they were to do that, which I'm going to say they would do that. They would be silly not to, but I understand the idea of cash flow being in the organization versus you know money that they will make throughout the season that they can pay a salary but i'm going to operate under the assumption that they are going to take that 29 and a half million dollars and pay it out to kyler murray uh as base salary to give them as much cap space as they can get and then the second one is jalen thompson if you convert his uh base convert his um Salary to a signing bonus, you save another $3.73 million. So you add those two up, that's another $33.3 million saved against the cap. Woo. As long as I, uh, as long as they pay $33.3 million in cash up front to Kyler Murray and Jalen Thompson, they can save $33.3 right. $33. million against the cap. Right. Um, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense on the Thompson one. Um, with Murray, I just don't. What I don't have a grasp of is, are they still evaluating him? You know, they just want to evaluate him on a full season. You know, with Kyler, I mean, it was great to see Kyler finish a season strong for the first time in his career, but it also was with an asterisk because, you know, he didn't start till week eleven. So. Um, but, but hey, we can now say Kyler finished the season strong, was playing at a high level, um, so that's good. Can he do that for a 17-game season? That's a big question. Um, and, you know, plus, can he pick up where he left off and, and even improve um, moving the offense next year? Because the, the real potential out of Kyler's contract is after next year, so... I mean, they have um, a more accessible way um, to move on um, and or offer them as in, in a trade package. So, um, you know, with all those dynamics at stake, I mean, that's a big question mark. I mean, are they that convinced about Kyler after these eight games that they're, you know, now feeling like they're committing to him long term um, rather than just for 2024? Perhaps, but this decision would just be for 2024 is we're saying, you know, you're going to be our quarterback. So we're just going to pay you, you know, 60% of your salary up front, essentially for 2024. But then you're kicking it down the road. Yes. So, right. So, you know, money is interesting like that. I, I don't know if he's a kick the kick it down the road guy, the way the kind was. In fact, my early um, instinct on that is no, he's not. So, but I am fully intrigued with that. I mean, anyone to add a twenty nine point five to the kitty 
Um, wow. I, I mean, there's a reasonable way to do that. Plus, the other question I had was that there are some of us who think that Michael Bidwell has had cash problems. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's <laughs> he'd be willing to to put up that kind of money. That's the um, only holdup I foresee is is the yeah. short term cash flow, which right. Michael Bidwell's in that stratosphere of rich enough where you can go to the bank and pick up a fifteen million dollar loan, and it's not really that you know jarring necessarily so i mean short-term yeah, cash yeah, flow might I, be a thing but we'll see i mean bidwell kept keep saying money's no object himself so I, I but i don't know i mean he said that was sean payton but then you know sean payton payton was never going to come to arizona period mm-hmm. um so uh, but so, anyway uh, so, i like those moves both of those moves will get us, if you add that all together, gets us up to $98.3 million <laughs> to work Woo. with. Now, I like clean, even numbers. So we're going to get that up to 100 by making <laughs> one other smaller move okay. here. Yeah. And that is to reluctantly, but necessarily, trade Cameron Thomas for a day three pick swap. Uh, I chose the Indianapolis Colts. Another team that made sense was the was the Vikings. Obviously, with your guy Brian Flores out there, I'm sure there's some teams that are looking for some depth at that position. So, reluctantly, Cameron Thomas will be traded for the the little salary bump and to clear out the 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 defensive line room a little bit. Yeah, this is just so upsetting to me. Yeah, I, I mean, know. I saw my Jay Sanders. Um, rush the edge better than any other than Garduk, better than any Cardinal I saw this year um, in his limited snaps for the Texans down the stretch. Um, and they just gave him away. Um, and Cameron Thomas, I think, is, you know, I, he looked perfect to me for the uh, Zach Allen role. I mean, perfect. Same kind of player in, in college. I mean, Zach Allen, you know, it's, letting Zach Gall- Allen go in free agency, in my mind, was mitigated by the thought that, wow, well, with Cam Thomas, we can slide him in there. But they never even tried him there. I mean, didn't in preseason, we didn't see it. And they always stuck him at outside linebacker, which from the moment he was hu- – trapped it and steve kime said oh yeah outside linebacker i was like oh no (laughs) i mean you know you just you need more than uh, anyway i I don't want to go on a rant because i want to get to your stuff but it just it just bothers me that now cam thomas is is probably going to be traded and the question is i mean you said a day three there's no way they're getting a day three for cam thomas oh no i said day day three swap so oh, I mean, day three. Oh, day three swap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Um yeah, you know, I, maybe I, they get a sixth rounder yeah. and the other team gets a seventh or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh oh man, that just bugs me. Mm-hmm. But I see what you're where you're going with that because you're reading the tea leaves, and uh, that's that's where it looks like this is trending. He was a healthy scratch for the last two games. Mm-hmm. I don't get I mean, I'm just especially when they needed some help inside and up front. I don't know. Um, I loved what 
what uh, JJ Watt was able to do with Cam Thomas mm -hmm. um, the previous season, and they have that on tape. Um, and he, Cam Thomas, responded. So you know, with JJ, if Cam gets there's word he's on the block, he's calling up to Miko Ryan's immediately mm -hmm. ASAP, as he did with my J and uh, Dogby and the other Cardinals that defected. Um, and, of course, Matt Burke is the Texans' defense coordinator, and he was with the Cardinals as as, uh, as the defensive line coach who had Zach Allen and J.J. Watt and, and et cetera. So, uh, okay. It's not a bad idea. but You're – you're a cutthroat businessman, but I think it's you're absolutely right. Well, it stinks. He's a San Diego State guy too. You know, I it, know it, it's it's tough. I wish it would have worked out better for him. Uh, the MyJ Sanders one was surprising as well, obviously. But that gets us to a cool, exact one hundred million dollars <laughs> to work Woo. with. And in terms of cap space, that's somewhere between seventy-five and eighty-one million dollars uh, yep. to work with in the short term. Um, wow, this is going somewhere. All right. Before we get to free agency part one, which is what the offseason will be built around, um, five players I think the Cardinals should re-sign off the bat. Um, none that are really huge names, but names that they want to bring back. Uh, Josh Woods should re-sign on a contract. Uh, Greg Dortch absolutely should bring back. He's a restricted free agent. Absolutely should bring him back. Jeff Swain. Uh, Jonathan Ledbetter and Jesse Lucetta. Those are the five that I pinned down for. They should re-sign before they ever hit free agency. All right. Now, thoughts on that? First of all, uh, I think it's Dorch, Ledbetter, and Lucetta are EFAs. So mm -hmm. they're already all they have to do is make the tender, which is like one million. Yeah. So and they're back, and they can't be be. Um, be claimed by anyone else or, or or negotiated with by any other team. So yes, because of the undrafted guys, rule. Yeah. You called it. I think all three of them are going to be back. Um with Jeff Swain is he had the knee injury and um late in the season. So at his age and uh, it depends how extensive that was. I think it was an ACL. So um mm -hmm. uh, he wouldn't be ready for training camp. And I, I think that <clears throat> that's probably unlikely. Josh Woods. Um, why are you bringing him back? I would like to see him work more at that. Uh, I know it's, it's tough between the off ball linebacker position and that inside linebacker rotation, but I would like to see him come in there just for the sake of having linebackers in the room, especially if Kaiser White is going to be out the door. It would be, I think, better to bring Josh Woods back. Yeah. Um, I mean, Josh Woods is a, you know, you want to pull for a guy like that because he's, he's uh, you know, got leadership qualities and he's a fiery guy. He's just not made to order for, inside linebacker in the NFL. I mean, he, I think he had a 40 PFF grade. He started 11 games. He did make some tackles here and there, but I mean, he's not an instinctive run um, stopper downhill or to the ball. Um, he doesn't physically fit the profile necessarily. He's pretty good in coverage. Um, 
But like I say, I think they were weakening two positions. If Kaiser had played that spot and Saban had been in, at the mic, then, you know, and in my mind, I would have put Isaiah Simmons at um, strong side linebacker. Um, I think they would have been a stronger defense, definitely versus the run. Um, so that one, uh, that one I question, but uh, I get your your Swain was an excellent contributor and was an all-purpose blocker. So I mean, if he's healthy, I think that's at certain, some point next year. I think you're right. I think they would try to bring him back because he fit in really well. Yes, I get you there and then uh so those five are the people that i would bring back i don't think woods would hop in as a starter necessarily ideally he wouldn't hop in as a starter but they are notoriously thin at linebacker and i had us already cutting kaiser white which is you know yeah. we're, we're we're really draining the room there a bit uh the last two that i had for make them an offer but also let them hit free agency uh one of them is lecky foto um you know, make him yeah. an offer. If he does come back on a one-year deal, fantastic. Right. If he finds right. a deal somewhere else, great. Uh, and the second one was Hollywood Brown. Make yeah. him an offer. Uh, hit, uh, Pro Football Focus said his expected contract would be a one-year $12 million deal. Uh, I would be comfortable offering that. Maybe they offer him a one-year $10 million deal and and see if he right. can get a, a second year from somewhere else. Uh, right. But essentially... You know, it's not quite the franchise tag value. Hollywood would be the candidate for the franchise tag, but if that value is going to be in the twenty million dollar range, I, I don't think that the the yeah, Cardinals right. are in the market. I would have been, in, I think, back in the middle of the season, I said they should franchise tag Hollywood Brown. I think that the Cardinals yeah. have kind of moved on from that direction, but right. I think they they'd like to have him back on a one year deal that would make him the wide receiver two or wide receiver three. So, you know, right. make him an offer, but you don't have to necessarily bring back Hollywood Brown if he gets a better offer somewhere else. Right. Well, I, I think the one year 10 million for Hollywood is the way to go. Um, I mean, and as a prove it deal and load it with incentives, so that you know he's got a, the chance to make up to twelve or fourteen million dollars based on production, um, but uh, anything more than that, I think, is is uh, too risky at this point in what they're trying to do. And I don't think there's any question they're going to be um, drafting a wide receiver with one of their first two picks or three mm -hmm. or four. Um, so. You know, does he then become a little too exorbitant um, if you've added in a guy that you're planning to start? Um, so, but uh, just to jump in with guys that that I I think you know um, you might want to offer is Antonio Hamilton, mm -hmm. who man when he played he played pretty well. Um, you know, he had a sort of up and down year with injuries. And he's 30 years old, so you know he's not going to command that big a salary. But keeping him in the room might be a good idea. Um, the other guys, Chris Barnes. I mean, I would take him over Josh Woods because Barnes uh, scored pretty well um, grade-wise, and um, he's more physical 
and and he actually played pretty well in coverage, which surprised me. Um, he's more of a you know a run stop stopper um, than uh, than Woods is. I like the fact that you're offering Foto. I think they will do that. Um, you know, and uh, the punter mm-hmm. Gilligan. Um, you know, he's he, he he like netted close to fifty yards. I mean, unbelievable. Um, now they're not listing him suddenly here. Maybe the Cardinals reached an agreement with him. Because he's off their free agent list on spot rack. That'd be nice. Well, I think they really like him. So I think he'll probably be back. But uh, good stuff. Let's move it up. All right. Are we ready for free agency part one? Yes. All right. So we are working with, you know, about $75 million in cap space. And granted, NFL salary cap is hard to explain. You can you you can yeah. assign different guarantees in different years to maneuver the cap. We're just going to use averages for the sake of simplicity because it just gets way too convoluted and complicated when we talk about you know this year's right. dead cap and and you know sal you know against the cap versus guarantees all the stuff like that. So we're just going to use right. averages for the sake of simplicity. Okay, so when you are a team who has spent 18 months resetting your cap to have a big potential spending spree in one offseason. There is a strategy of going out and getting a bunch of players to fill position groups, you know, from the middle group of free agents. And what normally happens when you spend your free agent dollars on a lot of short-term addition like you add six or seven different players who are starting caliber in one off season what ends up happening usually is you see a jump in the first year and then you see a regression back down by the second year Uh, that's normally what happens in these cases think the the jets the year that they brought in Le'Veon bell think the patriots when they signed judon and uh hunter henry and johnu smith and like uh like seven different players in free agency they, they made the playoffs, and then you saw that dip back down. When the Giants uh, had Ben McAdoo, signed a whole bunch of people, made the playoffs, went 11-5, and five, fell back to 2-14 and 14 the next season. So normally what happens is when you spend a bunch of money on a bunch of different people, you end up taking a, a step back in year two. And, and part of that is just injuries. Part of it is when you're putting more eggs into different baskets, you're 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 prone to get different results from different players and different levels of production. Um, coaching staffs change very quickly over and over again. The more tried and true strategy in free agency, and this has been the case for a good portion of the last few years is take that money and put it into one basket, go for one big impact player. When you have free agent dollars, think uh, two years ago, the Raiders spent, 18 months creating cap space. They gave it all to Devontae Adams, made him the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. Adams made all pro in his first season with the Raiders. Uh, Last year, the Atlanta Falcons spent 18 months 
building up cap space for a free agent spending spree. They they not only made Jesse Bates the highest paid safety in the NFL, they made him the highest paid safety by like $2 million more than the next closest player. And I believe right. Jesse Bates made all pro this season in his first right. year with the Falcons. Yeah. So if you have free agent spending dollars, you should try and go all in on getting a singularly impactful player. That's the philosophy that I believe is the best when you're the team who, you know, like the Titans this year, the Titans have 80 million in cap space. The Bears have a significant amount of cap space and they they already made their big move. They went out and traded for Montez Sweat and paid him twenty five million dollars a year. Uh, they, right. they put they put their free agent dollars into that one basket and, and they've already started to see some of the results of that bear itself out. So my right. philosophy off the top is. Build your free agency around trying to get a singularly impactful player when you have all this cap space. Yeah. And fortunately for the Arizona... (laughs) So fortunately for the Cardinals, there is one player who is likely to hit free agency who is that singularly impactful player player and potentially they can get without having to give up draft compensation because he's already played one year on the franchise tag. The team he plays for is not inclined to tag him again. They've been in contract negotiations for a little bit here and it's anticipated that he's going to hit free agency and uh, he would be according to pro football focus, the best player at his position to hit free agency of the last eight seasons. Whoa. I am talking about defensive tackle Chris Jones. Whoa. Chris Jones. Right. That is who the Arizona Cardinals should get in the free agency game with. And they should make Chris Jones the highest paid defensive tackle in the history of the NFL above second place, which is $26 million per year over four years. I believe it's Jeffrey Simmons and the, the gap between Aaron Donald at number one and Jeffrey Simmons at number two is four and a half million dollars per year and over 20 million in guarantees. And I'm taking it a step further and saying the Arizona Cardinals should pay Chris Jones more money than Aaron Donald four years, 128 million, make him an offer. He can't refuse. See if you can get Chris Jones to defect from the Super Bowl champions in Kansas City to be the anchor of the Arizona Cardinals defense. Now, is he the best defensive tackle in the NFL? Maybe. Is he at least the second best defensive tackle in the NFL? Definitely. And so it's okay that you're paying him more than Aaron Donald because that's just the cost of doing business to get him in the door. He's hitting free agency. Donald signed his contract after the Super Bowl two years ago. No one has even come close to touching Donald in the defensive tackle market, which is I thought was interesting. Uh, but Jones is graded out as top two at the position each of the last four years. I don't know whether he was number two this year as a defensive tackle, but right. they should throw all the money they can, $32 million a year. Aaron Donald makes uh, $31.5 million a year, I believe. So they should just take that money, throw it at Chris Jones, and see if they can get him to defect from Kansas City. That is my big free agency idea right off the bat. Just 
see if they can get Chris Jones to defect from Kansas City with a record-setting contract for a defensive tackle. And it would also make him the second-highest-paid defensive player in the NFL behind only Nick Bosa. Right. Well, the the Cardinals rolled the dice with J.J. Watt. Watt was a little older. I mean, Jones heads into his eighth season, I think. He's 30. You know, he's going to be 30. Mm-hmm which makes you worry, um, but he's coming off another really good season. Um, you know, it, tons of pressures and sacks. Uh, was he at 14 and a half? Despite sacks, the fact that he sat out the first game of the season. Right. And, uh, you know, as a 90.3 pass rush grade, he leads their defense overall with an 85.4 grade. Um, yeah, he's one of the elite players in the NFL. Um, what that would do to Arizonans, um, they saw that. I think, you know, um, they'd be over the moon. Um, uh, the, the price tag is hefty. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, 30 mil um, can get you a lot of players. But I like the way you argue the short-term versus longer-term. I just, my hesitation is Monty doesn't strike me as having a champagne taste. Um, He has a Pabst Blue Ribbon Ribbon budget. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think it would be out of his nature to, to move on a deal like this particularly when since he's been trying like crazy to pair salary um, and whittle down the cap to accommodate Kyler's 51 point million cap hit. But man, you had me all um, fired up just at the thought of seeing Chris Jones and Cardinal red. Yeah. And the idea Um, there is that they will have no matter what, they're going to have to, you know, convert Kyler's base salary to make that happen because there are other moves that they have to make, but it's not yeah. a guarantee that it will work. Obviously, just, nothing is a guarantee. It's just the idea of if right. you're going to spend free agent dollars, your best chance of sustainable success is to get a singularly impactful player in there. And it's not it, it, Chris Jones is so good that it's not like, oh, does he fit into the defensive right. scheme you want to run? If you bring in Chris Jones, he becomes the defensive scheme. That is the focal point of everything you want to do on defense. <laughs> if you bring in a singularly right. great right future Hall of Fame player like Chris Jones. What do you think of Christian Wilkins? It's funny that you mentioned that because Christian Wilkins is the 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 quote unquote backup plan in the in the in a world yes. where they don't end up getting Chris Jones. Now Christian Wilkins will make uh I, I have a number here based on expected salary. He will make about $84 million 20. a year over, or sorry, $84 million total over four years, which is less than you'd be paying Chris Jones just in guarantees alone. Um, but the, right. the point, uh, Christian Wilkins this year didn't have his best season. He was outside the top 10 uh, of defensive tackles and PFF grades. Um, he He's a very good player. He's just not the same... Right level of impact that you'd be getting from a Chris Jones. But Christian Wilkins is a, is a fine option. He's uh, a slightly younger than Chris Jones. 
Um, you wouldn't have to p- make him one of the top five highest paid at, at the position. Uh, he wouldn't make more than his college teammate, Dexter Lawrence. Um, Christian Wilkins is a good backup plan, although it won't give you the same level of impact that you might be getting from paying the extra amount for Chris Jones. Yeah. Um, but similar, potentially similar production. Um, yeah, that's it's interesting because uh, the Cardinals do have a connection to Wilkins in that uh, their defensive line coach, Derek LeBlanc, uh, coached him in Miami last year, the previous mm-hmm. season. And um, a, if uh, if you were to sign Christian Wilkins, that's an extra $10 million on average that you're saving. And what did we right. establish earlier? Hollywood Brown, $10 million contract offer. Oh, right, right. You, you could make it a package yeah. of Wilkins and Hollywood Brown versus Chris Jones as the, the plan B option. Well, that's interesting because I think if we adopt your philosophy, which I like, of hit big on, you know, I, I'd like to do it, hit big on one defensive game changer and hit big on one offensive game changer or two defensive game changers because um, the offense is, is 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 deeper and has more talent. Um, but I think if you're going with, with that kind of philosophy, then Hollywood Brown at $10 million doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, 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 I agree with that. Work. Right. If you're going to go big, you got to save it for that and then go little, you know, Michael Bidwell last year, uh, this got through to out of the media, was that he put a, a budget limit on free agents now at $10 million, not mm-hmm. to exceed. Because he got burned by Jordan Phillips and a bunch of guys who, you know, came in and did really little and collected cha-ching. Um, and, um, you know, Suggs. That was a debacle. So yeah, um, yeah. Um, if Bill will stay in true to that mode, then maybe he concedes. Yeah, let's go big on a couple. Let's get we got to get fans in the seats too. Let's get the excitement going. I mean, I, it's still amazing to me that you know the Cardinals were able to you know get JJ Watt in the building. They're able to get. Hopkins in the building, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, they were able to trade for Rodney Hudson. You know, they made all these really good moves. I mean, people want to shit on Steve Kime. I get it, but those were moves that at the time, I mean, I thought were fantastic. And he created such a buzz for the 2015 season because of those moves. And unfortunately, it fell apart when J.J. Uh, Watt suffered that devastating injury diving um to try to tackle uh, the Houston Texans quarterback um, and dislocating everything in his shoulder. But uh, that was really tough. But then that was the beginning of things changing that season. I mean, they were 7-0 and at that point. But anyway, um, I, I like your style. Was there another yeah. hype? The other ones would have to be through trade. And there's not really a, a, a tried-and-true oh. trade candidate right now that I could yeah. pin down. What was so interesting about Chris Jones and why he fits the bill of like a top end free agent is that like with Christian Wilkins, it's it's a sense of the Dolphins 
feel like they could they could replace him and uh you know that it's it's more of a dollar value type of thing with chris jones what's interesting is that kansas city recognizes how important he is and the value that he brings to that team is is insurmountable they just can't come to terms on a contract extension that works for them and works for jones it's the same thing that happened with jesse bates uh, the, right. the Bengals knew it was really going to hurt to lose Jesse Bates, and they did not replicate his production this year. And you saw that defense take a step back uh, without Jesse Bates. Um, yeah. But they, but they just, you know, they they were already short yeah. on cash flow because of Joe Burrow's contract extension, and they were saving money for T. Higgins. It's just it hurt them to lose Jesse Bates in that sense, and it'll really hurt Kansas City to lose Chris Jones in a way that it won't quite hurt the dolphins to let go of Christian Wilkins. And so right. I I'm surprised that Joe I've kind of forgot in my mind that Jones was going to hit potentially unrestricted free agency because the Kansas City's probably not going to tag him a second time for 34 million guaranteed. Right. So if he does hit free agency, right. I mean the Cardinals should be the team at the front of the line trying to 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 sign him and if i'm if if the issue is money and i'm monty i am i am staking my reputation on that free agent signing that is the big move that we have to make if we are going to turn around this defense and get ourselves back into contention by next season or in two seasons at the very least that is the move that i am saying to bidwell you know we have to have a fund for exceptional cases here, and this is very much an exceptional case of we need to get in the Chris right. Jones game because right. we could we could evaluate prospects till the cows come home, and it's not going to give us the production that Chris Jones could provide on the defensive interior, even at thirty years old. Yeah. I mean, Chris Jones is still you know in in the peak of his physical form, even at thirty years old. He's one of those special defensive players. He really is, and we should have drafted him back in the day. There were many of us clamoring for it, mm-hmm. but they drafted Robert J instead. <laughs> yep. So, I, so, so um, that's the big move there. But, if it, try and go draft. get Chris Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about a a daily double? Yeah. And get Chris Jones and Lejarius Sneed in a package. See that um, this is not a bad idea well, at all. I anticipate forty-two million dollar package where you can get the two of them. I anticipate wow. Kansas City is not going to let Legarius Sneed go. I think they're probably going to pay him, but right. if he does end up hitting free agency, it would be very much a fun idea to to model right. your defensive turnaround around Kansas City, in particular with a draft right. pick that we'll get to in a little bit as well. Oh, okay. All right. So I I, right. I, I saw Legarius Sneed. I like the idea, but I don't believe Legarius Sneed is ever going to hit free agency. But I could be wrong on that. I could be wrong on Sneed getting there, which actually, so you, you've just led me into free agency part two, which is the, the, the quote unquote smaller moves. Like you're building your entire free agency around Chris Jones and then you got to make a couple other smaller moves in the in-between. And uh, for the sake of simplicity, I only pick players that, that would sign to multi-year contracts. Uh, you know, one-year deals, uh, prove-it contracts, stuff like that. I just left out for the sake of it's it's really hard to judge those kinds of things without any kind of insight. 
uh, you know, for the handful right. of players that are worth two, three, four year contracts, you kind of know who they are and who are who are available and what teams could sign who. Um, you mentioned Legarius Sneed did go for a cornerback. Uh, the one that I pinned down was uh, Chidobe Awuze from the Cincinnati yep. Bengals. Uh, yep. You know, that would be the person I would pinpoint. Uh, the Bengals, I believe they were saying spent, <laughs> they've spent three third round picks over the last two years on corners. So I believe yeah. Awuze is going to be out the door here. He's given them pretty good production the last couple of years coming over from Dallas. Um, yeah. Pro Football Focus says two years, 13 million is kind of what he's looking at. Um, yeah. Call it two years, 14 million for the Cardinals to sign him. Um, yeah. That would be that would be the person I'd bring in. And uh, I like Christian Fulton, former first round pick. He's he's had some injury issues with the Titans. That would be a one year deal type of situation. If he asks for a second year, maybe just go in a different direction. Because, uh, you know, I like the idea of just giving Williams and, and Keytrell Clark some snaps. I want to, you know, prioritize right. that development. But they they do need a true, you know, outside corner, I think. And uh, I think. I think just adding Shadobe Awuze into the mix will give them some some options with the cornerback room. And it accomplishes the goal that I was shooting for last year, which is just just change all the names in the cornerback room. You know, just sometimes it can be as simple as when your unit is stinking, just bring in some new people and see if that can reset some things. So Right. Well, and with Fuller, you have the uh Monty Austin Fort connection. Yeah. I would type. really, I would really like to have Christian Fulton. It's just each of the last three seasons have ended with injury for him. Uh, it yeah. is four years with the Titans. He missed, I think, twenty three games. So it's just the injury yeah. issues. Eleven games this year and a real lousy PFF grade of forty six point four. Like I said, it's a one year contract guy. Right. You yeah, know, yeah. Monty connection. I like Prove Christian Fulton. Deal. I would take right. a risk on it. Prove it deal. Yeah. Um, he was at 63.8 last year and 64.1 in 2021. So he's graded out um, pretty decently. Um, other than this year, this year was not good. He was gave up 72% in, in uh, receptions, 577 yards. This is in 11 games. Um, three TDs, two pass breakups, no interceptions, six penalties. Ugh. Not a good mm -hmm. year for him, but uh, but it is a good year for a prove it deal, and he he would fit that mill, fit that mm -hmm. bill, and uh, you know he was a second round pick out of Tennessee for the Titans. Yep, and and, good, and good, you good, yeah. no say you talked about bringing back Antonio Hamilton in the previous uh, iteration. Maybe that's an yeah. option as well. Um, yeah. just, just kind of the fifth corner is kind of what you're looking for. Maybe it's Fulton yeah. on a prove it deal. Maybe it's Antonio Hamilton. You know, we'll see. Yeah, the corner that I love is Kenny um, Kenny Moore, the mm -hmm. second from uh, Indianapolis. Uh, and people are arguing with me, well, he's a slot corner, and we have Garrett Williams. And then my argument, my argument back is, well, then if Garrett Williams is on Cooper Cup, who who guards Puka? <laughs> um, you know, if if Garrett Williams is on Brandon Ayuk, 
who guards Debo Samuel. You know, everyone's caught up on, well, we have this guy, you know. No, we, we're we getting toasted in the FC West by multiple receivers. You know, you got Lockett and Jigma Smith, you know, over in Seattle. you got these double slots, plus you have tight end guys you got to cover. Having a guy like Kenny Moore, um, the second, who is such a baller, he's so savvy. And he play, you know, he has ties to JG because of their indie days. Um, you know, I love that move. And, you know, and then drafting a, another boundary corner would make sense to me. But, uh, but yeah, I mean. Um, I think you and I kind of worked in reverse there because I think a Wuze yeah. would be more of a boundary corner for this team. And then uh, right. when we get to the draft, right. there might be a more slot type option corner available right. that uh, I'm getting in on. Okay. So I like, I like, I uh, like, I like Kenny Moore. Absolutely. And uh, I know this might stink to you, but I believe uh, our friends over in Santa Clara have some interest in Kenny Moore this off season too. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that bidding war comes together. Oh, maybe. They? Oh man, even better. I want him more now. <laughs> yeah. Our friends down in San Francisco have, uh, have some interest oh, no. in, in Kenny Moore. <laughs> well, now we'll have to offer him the 20 million. <laughs> Only kidding. Uh, okay, next uh, move I had in terms of cap space available, uh, right tackle. I know you're you're more of a fan of drafting potentially a right tackle and having Paris move to the left tackle. Both of right. us are in that camp. I'm just going to go ahead, pay, you know, mid, uh, above average market value for a right tackle. Uh, that there's been a handful of right tackles that have signed in that like 15 to 19 million dollar range the last couple of years like uh, Mike McGlinchey with the Broncos, Orlando Brown with the Bengals, Jawan yeah. Taylor with Kansas City. Uh that kind of range uh sign Bengals right tackle Jonah Williams, uh former first round pick, missed his first rookie season due to injury but He's been uh he's he's likely to leave Cincinnati. He's been in a contract dispute for a couple of years. Uh yeah. four years, sixty-four million, kind of top ten, you know, nine, ten, eleventh highest paid tackle in the league. Uh just go ahead, lock up the right tackle position. Maybe just take that money from DJ and slide it over to Jonah Williams. Uh that's my philosophy for the right tackle position is just sign someone, anchor the right tackle position for the next couple of years, you're good. So I chose Jonah Williams from the Bengals four year $64 million contract. Wow. That's a shocker. Wow. 58.5 PFF grade. Um, 54.0 run blocking. I mean, I think the one thing they really want to want to do is get a um, tackles who can run block. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, with the opportunity to, to draft uh, a really good tackle with one of their first three picks because I think they're going to be like the kid Morgan from uh, Arizona could be available at pick 35 um, as, uh, as could some other really good tackles. And if you notice last year, a number of tackles, Darnell Wright and, you know, um, right tackles were drafted beyond round one and, had really good seasons um you know uh paris johnson's teammate at ohio state 
um, Dewan Jones had a mm-hmm. tremendous season. Um, so I don't, I, I, I'm not sure of the player and I'm not sure of the salary that they would pony up that knowing unless it was a real road grader who they could, uh, um, you know, get good run blocking out of. Totally let me just fair. Check his, let me just check his uh, yearly. I mean, I think he's got tremendous potential, Jonah Williams. I really do. You know, in 2021, he had a 75.6 run block and graded 74.5 overall. He had more snaps that year than any year previously. Mm-hmm. So you have to wonder what's holding him back. Why has he regressed um, the last two years? Uh, but man, I'm very intrigued. I think in certain ways he fits that mold if they really believe they can bring out the best with him. Um, and the, the, the part of the reason I chose him specifically without diving deep into the, the, the offensive line grades is just he's a right tackle. It locks in your right, right. tackle position for at least the yeah. next two years. You know, four-year contracts or two-year right. contracts in the NFL with the guarantees and all sorts of stuff like that. It's yeah. now Paris is your left tackle. Jonah's your right tackle. That's what you're working with at this point. Uh, the, yeah. the best comparison I could think of is to Mike McGlinchey last year when he signed with, with Denver. It was just kind of like, there we go. Yeah. We're going to invest, you know, not crazy amounts of money, but we're just going to have a lockdown right tackle who we're confident will play 15 games a season. And if we can get that, right. we don't have to think about the position again. And after all these years, it would be nice to not have to think about that position again. <laughs> exactly. And one way or another, I think they're going to work that out this year. Um, mm-hmm. ah, that's that's a really intriguing choice. Yes. So I, I and in the same sense, we'll get to the draft picks in a bit, but I did not use any of the first three draft picks on offensive line. Uh, so that was part of the decision right. making so, that went into it. You know, that's part of the reason why you do that is that now it frees you up to address the other glaring needs. Um, mm-hmm. But I like how you address defensive tackle, cornerback and uh, and tackle. Mm-hmm. with your agent's picks. I think that was really astute. And I All think- right. And then I have two maybes, which is kind of like, maybe you do it, maybe you don't. It's just kind of, you know, p- personal preference or how much you think the position needs yeah. an upgrade. Uh, left guard, if you want to sign someone, uh, Jonah Jackson is a relatively cheap free agent option. Uh, he's He's with Detroit right now. You're looking yep. at somewhere in the seven to eight million dollar range over three years, potentially. Uh, yep. Just depends how you feel about the left guard position. I yep. personally said maybe, but I I would probably just ride it out with the group that they have, or maybe you know invest in a draft pick or something. But right. it's not a bad option right. if you want an upgrade at left guard. No, and I think they might be able to get him for less than that. And he's got the connection to Dave Sears because mm-hmm. Sears helped draft him in Detroit. So, um, and he's an Ohio State kid, right? Uh, that I believe he is. Yes. Right. Uh, so uh, it's an option. And uh, the last one I had for the linebacker position, and this brings us back to uh, our conversation from earlier about the coaching staff. Uh, right. Do you want to try and 
take on Devin White as a reclamation project from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, particularly if one of their uh, defensive assistants is going to be coming over. Uh, was the name of the person you proposed earlier was George um, Edwards. Yeah, George, George Edwards. Edwards. If you're going to bring George Edwards over, do you want to potentially give a two-year contract to Devin White, former top five pick, has really fallen out of love there in Tampa. Obviously, the Todd Bowles connection. Do you want to take on Devin White as a possible reclamation project and have him and Zavin potentially compete for that middle linebacker position? Right. Well, the guy who would know best is probably George Edwards. Mm-hmm. And what do you think happened with Devin White? I don't know. Um, I know he got benched at the end of the season and he's had a, a couple of moments where he's just been lost in coverage a couple times. But when I saw that he was going to be available for maybe a, a two year contract at, at five to six million a year, I thought everyone should try and jump on that. That's a former number five pick. But I guess I right. didn't realize just how bad it had gotten in Tampa for him. I mean, it was right really disappointing this season at times like i said he got benched uh for options that were less talented than him so i don't know what the situation is there i mean, i know after he he held out trying to get a contract extension it was never the same for him i don't know i don't know whether that's a mental right. aspect whether he's really upset with tampa as an organization but it might be worthwhile to right. to to give it a, a run. Maybe Arizona is not the best place for him, given the the defense that they run and and the complexities we've had at the middle right. linebacker position in the first place. But yeah. one of the best ways to find value is to take chances on former top five picks. Right. Problem is, he's not a run defender. I mean, mm-hmm. just brutal. Red and orange grades for all five five years. Um, I'll go through the last four. Overall, 46.8 this year with a 30.9 run defense. Mm-hmm. 43.7 in 2022 with a 36.7 run defense. 35.1 in 2022 in 2021. 48.1, which was his highest grade ever. That was the year he had 129 tackles. But even then, 38.3 run defense. Uh, and in coverage, he hasn't had a season over 60. So he's all in the oranges there. Um, man, I mean, if he'd had one glimmer of hope in that stretch, you know, plus he's helped win a Super Bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, that was his best year of, you know, he picked a good time. Um, to play and he picked the year that they had the best rush defense in the NFL, the year that he could focus his attention and energy onto pass coverage and following right. tight ends and following slot right. receivers was when he had his best year because right. the, the year the Bucks won the yeah. Super Bowl, they were, I think, the best run defense of like the last decade in the NFL. <laughs> Did you draft a, a linebacker? Uh, I did draft a, an inside linebacker. Oh, uh, okay. Now I because. I just want to hear your draft picks because I can tell you right now, I bet you who you picked as an inside linebacker would probably be a better fit than Devin White. Okay. And like I said, it's just when you're in the Cardinals position and you're trying to 
find talent within the margins. Taking chances on former first-round picks is an option. Another option on the table for the Cardinals at the linebacker position is Kenneth Murray, the former first-round pick from the Chargers, who has had a really rough NFL career so far. I mean, he he was one of the he was almost unplayable his second year in the league when the Chargers had one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL. But that's that's an option if you want to take a chance on another former first round pick. And maybe the best option is still in house with Zayvon Collins at the inside linebacker position. But if you're trying to find value within the margins, taking chances on Christian Fulton's and and Kenneth Murray's and Devin White's might be an option for you, especially if we're going to, we're going to concentrate our free agent dollars on cornerback defensive tackle, Chris Jones and uh, a right tackle. You know, if that's where the bulk of our free agent dollars are going to go, let's uh, let's take a look at some other stuff, you know? Right. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That's that's Chris Jones. And uh, if, if you add it up, I just put the final numbers here. If you if you were to sign Chris Jones, Jonah Williams, Chidobe Awuze, and call it Devin White for the time being, just, you know, another player, whether it's White, Fulton, Murray, whoever it is, maybe Jonah Jackson uh, for the for four yeah. players, it would add up to about 60 million dollars per year. They would be spending close to, uh just over 200 million dollars in free agency on those four players that they would potentially be bringing yeah. in is is the idea so spend 200 yeah. million dollars but concentrate it on trying to get the best free agent available and if someone else yeah. comes available and maybe a trade is a possibility we can consider that as well i just i have no idea who's going to be available for trade same so all right, let's hear your draft. All right. So uh if you want to follow along, Walter, I sent you uh, an email with yeah. the uh with the draft as well, just for your sake. Right. Um yep. so a couple ground rules for the drafts. One, we're gonna go with the, the the draft that selects Marvin Harrison with the four pick. Just for the sake of simplicity, we're gonna do a Marvin Harrison mock draft. We're gonna assume the first three picks are all quarterbacks. Marvin will right. be available and the Cardinals will take Marvin at number four. That's what we're going to operate under the assumption for, for the draft. Second right. ground rule, not going to do trades. Trades are too hard to predict. It's too hard to give us an accurate representation of where they're going to go. We're just going to call it the picks that they have as it stands right now. Number three, right. if we were doing trades, I would trade the Texans first round pick the 35 pick, I think it's 35, right? Is the, yeah, the 30, I would trade the Texans pick yep. and the 35 pick and one of their third round picks if it meant they could get into the top of the draft and select Kool-Aid McKinstry. Kool-Aid McKinstry is my perfect prospect for the Cardinals. He would be a lockdown number one corner, guarding slot, guarding outside, anchor the cornerback room, take the pressure off Garrett Williams, take the pressure off Keytrell Clark. If we were doing trades, I would give up three of their day one and day two picks this year to go up and get Kool-Aid McKinstry. That is the person that I really, really, really want for the Cardinals. And I know that the Cardinals are probably not going to get him, but I would really, really want them to select Kool-Aid McKinstry at the top of the draft. All right. So those are the ground rules for the draft. We're just going to work with the picks that we have for now. Excellent. 
All right. First pick, Marvin Harrison Jr. We'll have three months to talk about that. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll we'll let that be for now. We we know we know the Marvin Harrison Jr. stuff at this point. We'll let that be. Um yep. So pick 27 is where they stand right now with the Texans. That could change a couple spots depending on what right. happens this weekend. But 27 is where they stand right now. Right. If one of the top four corners falls to 27, which is the the two guys from Alabama, uh, Cooper right. over there at Iowa, and uh, the guy from and Georgia, Wiggins. whose name is escaping me. Um, well, Wiggins from Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, not not the guy from Georgia. Wiggins from Clemson. If one of those four does. Huh? Yeah. Lasseter. Yes. If one of those four, the two Alabama guys, Wiggins and DeGene from uh, Iowa fall to 27, take one of those guys. There's not a guarantee that one of them will be there, but take one of those guys. If one of the four falls to 27, the pick that I chose for pick 27 is edge rusher late Raylan Trice from Washington. Yeah. Uh, PFF has him as their number 25 overall prospect, uh, fifth highest yep. graded edge rusher. Uh, this would be the idea of a, a front three that would be uh, you would have Trice ideally, maybe not as a rookie. Maybe you give him a, a little bit of a, a wiggle to get, comfortable but the ideal option is you would have trice chris jones bj ojalare and then at the the outside linebacker position a a blend between gardek and maybe someone else in there um obviously they would still have kevin strong roy lopez guys like that on the interior maybe dante stills um is around long term but the, the the idea is a three in the middle of trice Chris Jones, BJ Ojolare being the focal point of that yeah. and then mixing in the outside linebackers as well as a, as a fourth rusher. So that's my vision for the yeah. Cardinals defensive line is Braylon Trice, Chris Jones, BJ Ojolare and then as a linebacker between Gardeck and Kevin Strong and and maybe someone else they bring in down the road. But that but the idea is right. uh the the long term three three on the defensive line are Trice, Chris Jones, BJ Ojolari. Excellent. If again, if one of the if one of the top corners does fall, maybe you reconsider. There's also a good chance Trice might be available at 35. Um, he's kind of graded as a late first round guy. Like I said, PFF has him 25th right. overall prospect. So right, maybe he's still around. But I like the idea of of bringing in. A, a Braylon Trice draft pick there. Right. Yeah. Next on the list, I have uh, Enos Rakestraw Jr. as the corner from Missouri. Uh, he is PFF's number yeah. 27 graded prospect. Uh, he's somewhere between yeah. their sixth and seventh highest graded corner. And uh, the yeah. other interesting thing, and we mentioned Chidobe Awuze earlier, in college at Missouri, played about 50-50 between outside corner and slot. So whichever direction yeah, the Cardinals yeah. want to go with, that's an available option for him. He has a multitude of experience playing slot in college. Great pick. You're three for three. Three for three so far. I like it. So that's and and so now that we've we've picked our last corner, the idea that I had for the corner room is Chidobe Awuze, Garrett Williams, uh, Rake Straw, Keytrell Clark, 
and then you know some either Christian Fulton, Antonio Hamilton, someone else to kind of rotate in and out there. And that would be fine with me. Like I've been saying for years, they have the worst cornerback room in the NFL, but sometimes it's as simple (laughs) as you just bring in new bodies and new faces and you can transform your room. Look, look at what happened with the Ravens. The Ravens don't have a killer wide receiver out there, but they've got all new faces from two years ago and it's transformed their wide receiver room. So, and by the way, I would really like it if Garrett Williams and Keytrell Clark develop. You mentioned Legarius Sneed earlier and how he went from being a sixth round pick to a more traditional corner who's now a, a pro bowler anchor of the Kansas City defense. If they give Keytrell Clark the chance to develop and grow, maybe Keytrell Clark with enough snaps and enough repetitions could develop into a starting corner in the NFL. Just absolutely. So I, I love that kid. Yeah, I like Keytrell Clark. Williams obviously has shown signs of being a, a, a starting corner for the Cardinals. Awuze is a proven commodity. Would be nice to have him there. And then add Rakestraw, add Christian Fulton, maybe bring back Antonio Hamilton. And you've got yourself a cornerback room for 2024. Got it. All right. So pick 66 is uh, a little different here. So. We're going to make this pick operating under the assumption that the uh, call it the Carolina Panthers made Hollywood Brown a three year contract offer and and Hollywood Brown signed somewhere else for a more uh, extensive contract. If Hollywood Brown, this is essentially filling the Hollywood Brown role is what you're doing with this draft pick. If Hollywood Brown is gone and uh, the receiver I chose is Jalen McMillan from the University of Washington as the pick. Uh, what is that? 66 Jalen McMillan slide him into the Hollywood Brown role. And then your receiving room would be Marvin Harrison, Jr. Michael Wilson, Jalen McMillan, Rondale Moore and Greg Dortch. Those are your five receivers ideally for this season. No, I love McMillan. And in fact, he's probably going to be available there because of his injury history. And, you know, um, Monty Austin Fort doesn't seem to care about injury histories as much as maybe some other GMs. So, um, you know, I don't know if McMillan has a history, but he was missed a bunch of games this year, but when he did play, he was electric. So it's a great pick. My only concern there is I would have thought by now we would have addressed the defensive tackle position because we're so thin there. Um, but, uh, but we already but signed yeah, Chris I mean, Jones. It would be hard to. <laughs> yeah, we need way more than that. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, um, Jalen McMillan, if he's on the board at 66, I think you'd have to look at him really closely. I I think it's a great pick. If we did something else in free agency to add a couple more guys up front, then I'd be totally on board with that. So it was just a question. But, yeah. So totally what do you have at pick 71? Uh, yeah, yeah. With the defensive tackle position, maybe we also have Lecky back as more of a nose tackle. Uh, Roy Lopez, guys like that. Maybe, maybe Stills. We'll see. Uh, seventy-one. Yeah, we do. We do yeah. have that. Yep. Yeah, uh, seventy-one. Your guy from BC, Christian yep. Mahogany, offensive guard. Love it. I knew Love you'd it. like. I knew you'd like the Boston uh, College guy to to come through there, but Christian Mahogany. Yeah. You know, depth at the guard position, 
Uh, whether we have Jonah Jackson or not, good right. to add another guard. Yeah, and then, Mahogany is a, is a baller. Yep. Go ahead. Pick 90. This is where we get our linebacker. And yep. uh, I'm going to go with Junior Colson from Michigan is uh, our, our linebacker pick. Oh, my God. Love it. That would be awesome if we could get him there. Mm-hmm. He'll fall a bit because he, he's a bit older there. Uh, yeah, now we're getting into some of the, you know, throw it at the wall, see what sticks. Uh, pick 100, Blake Fisher, uh, right Boy. tackle from Notre Dame. Backup Jonah Williams. That's my pick there. He's a true right tackle. Also yep. played every single snap yep. at right tackle this last year for Notre Dame. Um, yep. Yep. 131, Justin... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's E-B-O-I-G-B-E. Um, Aboigi, maybe? Aboigbe? Aboigi. Defensive... True defensive tackle from Alabama. There, we, yep. we did finally get around to a defensive tackle. Um, him and Dante stills maybe compete for that roster spot. We'll see what happens. Um, one fifty-five Tanner Bordellini from Wisconsin. Uh, he's a center, uh, you know, backup center position. Uh, one seventy Eric all tight end from Iowa. Iowa has good tight ends. Take a flyer on an Iowa tight end. They usually end up working out. And then one ninety-eight uh, Sione Vaki, uh, safety from Utah. Just. Throw it at the wall, see what sticks. Best player available pick. Yeah. That's what I have for the yeah. Cardinals there. So we have I two think, wide receivers, an I edge, a quarter, and some linemen. Right. Yeah. I love all the players. I think you did a great job there. You hit a home run on every pick. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, I'd sign right up for that draft in a second. Uh, I like Trice. I like his motor. Um, I'm not sure he'll be double-digit sack guy in the NFL but I, at his size, but I do think he'll be a high-pressure guy. So, But Harrison Jr. would be a coup for any team. Um, I like Rackstraw. Um, I think that's a great pick in early early round two. McMillan, I really like his, his talent. He reminds me some of Christian Kirk, actually. Um, so, um, and... Kyler had a pretty good connection with Kirk, um, but that kid can scoop. And Christian Mahogany is, is uh, boy, he is a load and uh, such a great blocker. Came back to school this year after the ACL. He was going to be the top guard taken in last year's draft. So to get him in round three this year, he, he had a really wonderful season. In fact, get this, if I can brag from BC Eagles, we were the worst rushing team in NCAA won football in 2022. In 2023, we were top five. So, um, and we have a Kyler Murray esque quarterback, running quarterback in Tommy Castellanos. So, who helps with the with the uh, rushing totals? But, but still, I mean, what an incredible turnaround! And the big difference was getting Christian Mahogany back on the interior of that line. And, uh, he moves people. He is tremendous. Junior Colson, I absolutely love. I would stick him in at the mic immediately. He'd be an instant upgrade. Slide Kaiser over um, if we're keeping keeping him like you know uh, over the weak side. Owen Popo weak side too. Um, yeah, Blake Fisher uh, had kind of a down year. Um, 
but I mean, in terms of expectations, I think he was he was hoping for for better. Um, gave up some sacks, uh, but he's got real talent. I mean, um, he might be a steal there. He might be one of those guys who just gets it in the NFL. I bet you he might be. Um, and then uh, love your other picks. I'm really impressed with the thought process you put into this from top to bottom. You've you've uh, really enchanted me with the Chris Jones idea. Um, you know, and I mean, like I said, they had the precedent of bringing in JJ Watt. He was at twenty million or fifteen, was it? I think it was I think fifteen. It was, I think it was fifteen. Yeah, fifteen at his age, um, and and Jones would be twice that, but Jones would also be a little younger. Um, but boy, that would be uh, what a buzz that would create in in the, with the fans. I mean, but I, I I'm going to look more closely as when I do mine about home run contracts on both sides of the ball or two two on the defense. Because I like your I, I loved your rationale for that. I think it, in a lot of ways it makes sense. I think adding some star power and some buzz that way to this roster would be big, and um, and I think you know a little buzz can go a long way. So yeah, your um, best chance at some long term sustainable success with free agent dollars is to put all of your eggs into one basket. It gives you a better chance than you know spreading the eggs out to various different baskets because the odds are um, a lot of these players hit free agency for a reason. It's, it's so hard in the NFL to get to free agency because if you're in that in between space of very good, but not elite, there's a franchise tag and all sorts of stuff like that. It's, it's very hard to see NFL players hit free agency. And so uh, when a, when a, rare player like a Chris Jones or a Jesse Bates or a Devonte Adams reaches free agency you want to you want to put your eggs in that basket and uh we'll see what happens yep. we'll see what happens with uh with the right. Jones idea but transform your defense with one of the best pass rushing linemen in the NFL and you know Chris Jones is just a a future hall of famer he does everything in that inside Absolutely. offensive line position so Absolutely. and hey they let Tyreek Hill go for the money they might let, you know, it looks like it's going to happen with Jones. So, um, you know, and they like the way they've been drafting lately um, over there. And they have, they've been doing really well um, with those young players who are carrying that defense other than Jones. So, uh, but really, thank you so much for all the prep, all the thought, the careful thought. And um, I think you've got our heads swimming a little bit about possibilities that Cardinals could look at. And uh, and we'll tweak it as we go along. And and I'm still working on mine um, and trying to revise it every day. There are numbers of free agents I'm still looking into and trying to see, you know, study some tape on. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm really impressed and um, and really grateful to you. And and we'll we'll. Like I said, we'll we'll keep checking on this as we go along. Um, so, any final thoughts on your part? This was a very fun project to put together for myself. I know I enjoyed 
taking the time to go through the free agency lists and and spot rack and uh yeah. you know going down the draft boards and learning about a couple of prospects and things like that. So it was, it was fun on my part. We had some, we had some similar ideas for roster construction and get different ways to get there, which yes. I thought was interesting as well, especially yeah. with the, the cornerback room and linebackers and stuff like that. Well, I thought you were very creative and, and uh, insightful and um, yeah. I mean, the only real disagreements we had were on, you know, minor free agents um, mm-hmm. of the Cardinals own, you know, um, and maybe a couple of the, the guys that um, like Devin White. Um, although I get totally get your point. I mean, if the light goes on for Devin White, but it hasn't in five years, but if it ever goes on, you'd want to have him on your team. If he started playing like he did in college. So, but uh, I love your kid Colson in the that would be forget about Devin White. Get Colson in here and put him in there from day one. Have him be your Mike. I'd be also I'd be jumping up and down for that. Uh, it might be that might be their best strategy. Yeah. No, you you're great. Um so thank you all for joining us today and uh enjoy your uh Divisional round games this weekend, uh, you know, double headers. It's a fun time of year. Sure wish the Cardinals were involved, but, you know, hopefully um, we'll get treated to that down the road. But in the interim, may the red rain shower down on you into the red, red sea. Red rain. <laughs> <laughs>